0: Attention all members of Dartmouth's Class of 1996. Our postponed 25th reunion is happening July 22nd through 24th, 2022, and registration is now open. And beware, early bird pricing ends May 4th. Visit dartmouth1996.org to find out more and sign up today. We can't wait to see you there and share more stories about our roads taken.
1: It's 29 weeks, so, you know, very early. Three pounds, so just a little peanut. But it changed everything, because suddenly you know, I had focus. It wasn't just about me. You know, holy crap, I've got a kid. Let's you know, get your act together and start living life.
0: Environmental geologist Dave Leone was in the business of coming into a site and ultimately making things better. Having found a firm that fit him and even expecting a child, things in his own environment seemed to be going great. Then, in one unexpected moment, he realized his life had changed forever. Find out how finding focus beyond yourself can give you a way to get back on track on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. Today I'm here with Dave Leone and we are going to talk about where we think our roads are going to take us and the unexpected and how somehow we get back on track. So Dave, thanks so much for being here.
1: I'm happy to, happy to do it. Thank you for, for having me.
0: So I start this the same way with all of our guests each time asking two questions and they are these. When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become?
1: Um, I've almost been dreading this question. And I've listened to a few of these and, you know, listening to other people, I'm kind of envious that, you know, all these people who had their lives planned out or who had, you know, thoughts about who they were or where they were going. I got to Dartmouth and I was lost. Um, I was, you know, kind of sheltered as a kid. Uh, my dad was a firefighter. My mom was a stay-at-home mother. I I got to to Hanover and was just kind of awestruck at all of the different people and all of the different experiences and you know everything else. And I was lost. I went to school, I went to Dartmouth to be a chemistry major. I took one chemistry course um, my freshman fall and absolutely hated it. So I spent the next, you know, year or two trying to figure out where I fit in, Uh, went through a couple of different friend groups, you know, mostly my own fault for being just kind of an idiot. And then, um, you know, finally found my place. And that was actually in the earth sciences department. You know, I I kind of went through the the course book and crossed out a lot of what don't I like, what don't I want to do, and ended up with geology as something that really, really interested me. And, you know, I I had some great experiences there, but then when I got, you know, when I graduated, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this? You know, my options were go back to school and get a master's degree, which I didn't want to do go into petroleum geology, which I also didn't want to do, or go into environmental geology. And that's where I ended up. Um, so, you know, after a little while, uh, I, uh, you know, a couple months after I graduated, I got a job doing environmental consulting work and found that I really liked it.
0: I will say the career services, I'm sure helped lots of people, not a lot of environmental geology or Kind of consulting firms coming to town. So, how did you create those networks for yourself to to put you on your path?
1: It was kind of the old-fashioned way. Um, You know, I was sitting at home, going through the job ads in the local paper, trying to figure out. You know, well, I've got to do this degree. What can I do with it? Ended up at a very small firm in um, Acton, Massachusetts. It was, you know, maybe a twenty-person firm, but because it was so small, it gave me an opportunity to do a whole bunch of different things. And then after about two years, I realized I don't like the small firm. I want to work somewhere bigger. Got a job at, at GZA, which is where I am now, and I've been here for twenty-four years.
0: Yeah, that's uh, amazing. And did you know you always? wanted to stay in the geography, you know, Massachusetts, or had that big firm been someplace else? Were you open to that at that point?
1: At the time I was open to moving around and we actually have offices, um, you know, across much of the the United States. But part of the reason I stay here is I, you know, I met my wife and she was, you know, local to the area and it, um, you know, we've got a lot of family here. So we, we ended up just staying local.
0: Yeah, and that probably comes back to help in the end. So, with the environmental geology, excuse me, like, can you just talk about what it is that an environment? Sure, sure. (laughs) Uh,
1: In environmental consulting, we are essentially tasked with helping our clients to assess and remediate contaminated properties. Hmm. So, you know, think um, chemical plants, manufactured gas plants. Uh, fuel storage areas, you know, places that have just this long history of industrial use, where there's contamination in soil and groundwater, in you know, wetland sediment, in indoor air. We come in and we look at these properties and develop ways to remediate them for beneficial reuse. So we've worked on everything from you know a couple hundred dollar review of somebody else's report to you know a 10 million dollar cleanup of a former Monsanto plant. Yeah. So it's it's a it's of you know a lot of different types of properties, a lot of different types of contamination. It keeps us on our toes, it keeps things interesting. Yeah. And
0: probably not just the science of it, but I mean, that speaks to business and policy and community and all economic justice and environmental justice, all those things, right? Yeah.
1: Yep. So there's a lot of interaction with uh, local governments, with state agencies, federal agencies, a lot of public meetings, uh, which is, can be a challenge. Um, (laughs) You know, you've got a contaminated property literally in someone's backyard and they have concerns rightfully so but the trick is to educate the people who don't understand the science as to what we're doing and how we're doing it and how it's been protective of you know human health public welfare and the environment so that you know we can we can take this property and put it to better use
0: yeah ultimately make it better yeah right so that. Is a long career in one place, but stability seems to in that area seems to have balanced out uh, other things in your life. So, do you yes. want to talk about the trajectory of what was going on with you?
1: Sure, sure. So, um, you know, like I said, you know, I, uh, you know, my wife factors obviously heavily in everything that I do. Um, we actually, I met her at the company that I'm you know, currently employed at. She was, she was uh, here at the time. She's no longer. Uh, at this company. And we had, you know, kind of the nod and smile relationship in the hallway, but we never you know, really connected until we were both doing a charity bike ride. Uh, it's the Pan Mass Challenge. Uh, it was a 200-mile bike ride to raise money for the Jimmy Fund, uh, at, which is that Cancer Institute of Dana-Farber. It goes from Sturbridge Mass to Provincetown Mass, um, which anyone who knows Cape Cod knows that that's just a long way up and around. Um, my company sponsored a team. There were you know, probably 15 or 20 of us. I thought I was a hot shot. I you know, took off with the fastest guy on the team and 20 miles in, we just get to this massive hill. Ugh. He drops me like a rock and I've got, you know I'm, I'm riding myself and I'm like, I don't think I can do 180 miles alone. Ugh. So I pull into the next water stop and wait for more people on the, the company team to show up and Michelle and a few other people show up and, you know, Michelle and I just get to talking and spent the next 180 miles just talking. And by the end of it, I was completely smitten. And, you know, we started dating a few weeks later and, you know, the the rest is history.
0: (laughs) That is, it could have been a really long ride had, had you not Um, been smitten. Yes. Yeah,
1: Definitely. (laughs) And then, um, you know, the real turn comes in Labor Day weekend, 2004. We bought a house uh, in a small town in Massachusetts a few years before. uh, And I was up on a ladder, uh, nailing in a rake board that had come loose from the roofline. So, you know, 25 feet up. Didn't realize that there was a hornet's nest. Um, that had kind of built itself into the attic behind the board. Oh. So I'm sitting there hammering away, and, um, and the hornets came. Up and oh. I stepped backwards. Um, so fell 25 feet, uh, hit the ground, um, broke my back, crushed my spinal cord, and, and um, knew instantly when I woke up that that was it. You know, that I had just changed my life.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, just give me a second. I still, you know, tear up after, Yeah, you know, it's been 18 years and it still hits me.
0: Yeah, understandable. Um,
1: but I spent two weeks, um, I was mid-flight at the Beth Israel Hospital. Uh, spent two weeks there. Was operated right on, had my um, spine stabilized. And then spent a month and a half at Spaulding Rehab in, in Boston. And those folks just put me back together, taught me how to live my life again. So I am eternally grateful to them. But yeah, I am, I'm paraplegic, you know, for the doctors out there, it's T8 Asia A. So no feeling, no movement below, you know, mid-waist. And I've lived the last 18 years in a wheelchair.
0: And not just you this is a family affair, you had, you were expecting a child then, right? Yes.
1: Yes. My wife was, uh, four and a half months pregnant when I fell. And so, you know, I, I fell, like I said, um, you know, beginning of September, I got home from the hospital at the beginning of November and, you know, that the next month, just miserable, you know, just, you know, it, just a very difficult time. Yeah. Um, and so we were plugging along, trying to get things back on track. I hadn't even learned how to, to, to drive it. Cause you have to drive now with hand controls mm. early morning in December, my wife wakes me up and says, I don't feel good. I'm like, okay, well, let, what's going on? We talked it through. And, um, you know, we had this checklist of preterm labor symptoms and she's like, I- I'm fine. I'm fine. Just go back to bed. And I'm like, Shel, you've got seven of the 10 symptoms of preterm labor. Something's going on. So, you know, I called the doctor. Um, she said, Why don't you guys come in? My wife was actually going to drive herself in because <sighs> I wasn't driving yet. Right. Um, like, no, no, that's not going to work. Uh, you know, luckily my parents live close by. So, you know, my, my dad comes over. We throw the wheelchair into the car. We throw me into the car. We throw my wife into the car. We fly to Boston. We get there and about 15 minutes later, my son is born hmm. um, that quick. Ah. We, we had taken one birthing class. We had no idea what to expect. <laughs> they were, you know, in the process of assembling a team of doctors to tell us what might happen. And all of a sudden my wife's water breaks and it's quick labor. And I've got a son. Wow. Um, he was 29 weeks. So, you know, very early, three pounds so just a little peanut but you know it it changed everything because suddenly you know i had focus it wasn't just about me it was right. you know holy crap i've got a kid let's you know get your act together and start living life yeah um, so he spent about 2 months in the nicu uh, himself so 2004 like end of 2004 beginning of 2005 a ton of time for the Leone family in the hospital, but he was, you know, from day one, it was improvements. So here we go from a a three pound, you know, 29 week baby. He's now 17 years old. He's like, you know, six foot two uh, (laughs) uh, taller than I ever was, Um, you know, straight a student, no health problems, no eye problems, no breathing problems. None of the things that you typically expect with, you know, a baby born that small. And it's just, you know, he's a miracle.
0: Yeah. And a miracle to you, as you said, it wasn't just about you anymore. It was about, you know, giving focus to bringing this person into life. And yet at the same time, while you're, you know, pushing him into the world, you do need to get your life back on track. So yeah. mm-hmm. you have already said that you were, you're at the same firm. How did that, how did the firm adjust or help you adjust, when were you able to throw yourself back into work? All of those things.
1: Yeah. Um, so the the company was fantastic. I mean, they were they were great from day one. There was a banner up in the the entranceway to the the company, to the main entranceway, mm-hmm. the very first work day after I fell, just said, no, we're with you, Dave. And everyone in the company signed off on it. It was brought up into the hospital. Uh, I had it in my hospital room with me. Um, I still have it. It's rolled up in the closet, but the company made it clear from day one that, you know, there was a spot for me that, you know, they, we'd make this work, we'd figure it out. And it was actually, it was, I mean, it's it's hard. It's an odd concept, but it was good timing because at the time I was transitioning from doing a lot of field work to doing a lot of project management, you know, office-based work. That just accelerated that transition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know now, you know most of my work was was going to be office based, which you know it, it worked out well. Um, most of my work now is still office based, but I do a lot of site visits. Um, you know, when you're doing environmental remediation, you've you've got to be on site from time to time. So you know, we I've made that work, and I found workarounds from the wheelchair, and you know there are some places I can't get to, and some places I can. You know, nowadays, having cell phones and FaceTime and all of that has been hugely beneficial. But I, I'm going to come to to reunion in a wheelchair. And there was an article in um, you know, the Alumni Magazine back in, in 2004 that said, hey, this is the accident. This is what happened. I don't know how many people read that. I don't know how many people remember that. but you know, it's, it's unavoidable. I'm in a wheelchair. It is really, really obvious. So I'm, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity to to tell my story now. Hopefully it means that I don't have to tell it, you know, 45, 50, 60 times during reunion. Um, right. Because to me, it's been 18 years. Like I'm used to this. This is just part of life. You know, do I enjoy it? No, it sucks. But I've found, you know, great workarounds. And I still get around and I, you know, still, you know, have a great family and have a great job and a great career. And, I, you know, we go on lots of, you know, fun vacations. And, you know, I coached my my kid's soccer team for a while. You know, I'm doing all of those things that, you know, as a dad and, you know, just as a, you know, as hell as a Dartmouth grad, I should be doing. I try not to let the chair get in the way. And, you know, most of the people around me, I think they've stopped seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they know, stopped seeing the chair, um, but it's the new people. It's people I haven't seen for a while that get hung up on it. And it's yeah. just, you know, don't get hung up on it. I'm over it. I've dealt with it. Let's move on.
0: Right. Yeah. This inside it's the same Dave. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of going back to that, 22 year old Dave who had found what he liked on the pages of the orc and whatever, and didn't really know how to use it. If you kind of said like, look at this span of a career and the building of this family and all of that, would he go, oh, that makes sense. And I can see how that works out. And kind of from who I was as this chemistry interested kid, and or is it all just like you look at it and you shake your head?
1: I shake my head. (laughs) I have no idea how I got here, Um, you know. But it's it's worked. I started out as a field tech in this company, the lowest position possible, and I'm now you know associate principal and you know part owner and and you know doing great. I honestly think most of it's been dumb luck, but. It's it's worked out.
0: Yeah. Um, well, dumb luck and surrounding yourself with you know family of all kinds. The, yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. who clearly care about you and um, yeah. and it and, seems and like
1: yeah. my wife is definitely a driver. You know she she keeps pushing me. Um, she does not let me feel doesn't tolerate when I feel badly for myself. And you know just kind of has always said you know just you know buck up you know you can do it keep going. So I, I, I don't think I could do this without it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all need those people in our lives, I think. Well, Dave, we really appreciate your sharing this with us. We can't wait to hear what the next kind of empty nest is going to be. If your son was was the one that gives you focus, who knows what will be the thing um, to, to drive you into the yeah, next chapter. Yeah. But uh, we really yeah. appreciate having you here.
1: Of course. And the whole empty nest thing, it's funny with covid you know, families were pushed back together and spent a lot more time with each other. And, you know, I've I've got friends, uh coworkers who kind of struggled with that. My wife and I loved it. You know, we had a blast together. We still so really enjoyed being with each other. We spent a lot of time walking the neighborhood, talking, chatting. So it gives me hope that, you know, in another year or so when my son goes to college, we're gonna be okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to be okay. It yeah. seems like that you're made for that. Well, thanks again. Thank you. That was Dave Leone, who's Associate Principal at GZA GeoEnvironmental Inc. in Massachusetts, where he lives with his wife and son. He's a geologist with over 20 years of experience performing hazardous waste site investigations and remediation work at state-regulated hazardous waste sites. He and his wheelchair are headed back to Hanover in July to see how everyone else has both changed and stayed the same. I urge all members of our Dartmouth Class of 1996 to join Dave and register now through the links at Dartmouth1996.org. For all listeners, we urge you to subscribe, follow, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts, and plan on joining me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, for future episodes of Roads Taken.